Premier Christian Newscast. Hello and welcome to Premier Christian Newscast. I'm Tim Wyatt and this week we're digging into the thorny question of whether church leaders should get involved in politics. The British government's new policy of forcibly sending asylum seekers to be assessed and resettled in Rwanda has provoked unprecedented criticism from Church of England archbishops and bishops and other prominent Christian voices. Justin Welby famously said in a sermon that the plans could not stand up to the judgment of God. But, as normally happens, their intervention was met with a stern backlash from many MPs and ministers. Stick to religion, they were told, and don't try to baptise your unpopular left-wing views in the language of faith. Is it right for Christian leaders to express political opinions or attack government policy? Is the allegation that bishops only criticise right-leaning governments actually true? And how can the church defend its right to speak into questions of morality and values without antagonising its own members on either side of the political spectrum? Joining me this week to think these issues through are Sam Hales and Emma Fowle from Premier Christianity magazine. Well, thanks for joining us, Emma and Sam, on Premier Christian Newscast. Uh, could we start by quickly uh, hearing a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, Emma, why don't you go first? Hi, yeah, lovely to be with you, Tim. My name's Emma, and I'm the assistant editor of Premier Christianity magazine. And um, I also edit the Voice of Hope devotional at Premier as well. So a couple of jobs that I do. Great. Sam? Hello, great to be with you again, Tim. Yeah, so I edit Premier Christianity magazine, and I'm also editorial director for Premier. Brilliant. Um, well, really excited to dig into this um, kind of thorny topic today of kind of the church and politics. Um, you guys will obviously have seen a few weeks ago uh, when the government announced its policy of of sending asylum seekers off to Rwanda, uh, people who, who crossed the channel. Uh, it, it prompted this massive and, and fairly unusually united uh, opposition by by church leaders, most notably um, some lots of bishops in the Church of England. Uh, I wanted to just kick off by saying, do either you have a view on why this policy in particular prompted such a backlash from the from the church? I mean, we've obviously seen church people kind of weigh in on issues before, but this seemed to me to be quite unusually uh, kind of widespread. I think um, those who are supportive of the bishop's intervention would say, well, it, it's fairly obvious why it was why it was such a strong intervention because the policy is just so clearly immoral. That seems to be the position of a lot of Christians on this Rwanda policy, that it's it's not about being party political or left or right wing. It's about is this moral or immoral? That was certainly Justin Welby's view when he gave his sermon saying that this cannot stand the judgment of God. And so if you hold that view, that is probably going to be your answer, that this is just an, an obviously immoral action for the government to take. And so we would therefore expect the bishops who sit in the House of Lords to say, no, this is a really bad idea. I think those who are more critical, though, those who are more likely to support the Rwanda policy would say, well, this is a, an easy win for bishops. It's a bit of virtue signaling just to say, oh, well, you know, we're, we're on the right side of this one. And, and isn't this a, 
isn't this a terrible idea? So I think it depends slightly on how you see it. But I do find it noteworthy, certainly for us at, at Premier Christianity, when you see people coming together from different sides of the political divide, all united. And, and you know, we know through publishing lots of different Christian opinions, that's quite rare. It's quite rare to kind of phone up every Christian charity you can think of, and they all say the same thing. And that seemed to be what happened on Rwanda. It happened as well on um, uh, the, the proposed cut to government spending on aid. You had every Christian charity I could name or think of. They all said, no, this is wrong. This is immoral, regardless of whether you vote Conservative Labour or somewhere else. Emma, do you agree? Did, did it, did it, was it unsurprising to you, the kind of uh, uniformity of opinion on this? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think someone wrote, didn't they, that this was the only time that all of the Lord's spiritual had collectively put their name in absolute agreement with one another on one single issue. So I think when, that's, when that happens, and like Sam says, when you've got every leading charity, when you've got all of the leading church figures, when you've got the Prince of Wales even weighing into it, um, whether that was meant to be leaked or wasn't meant to be leaked is another debate really. It is one of those cases you're like, well, surely someone needs to sit up and, and take notice that, yeah, when it, when it becomes a point, like Sam says, we have a lot of contacts. We've published a whole range of uh, views and opinions on many, many, many subjects. And they generate an awful lot of debate online, whether it's on Twitter or on Facebook. When you're really struggling to find anyone that says, I think this is a good idea, I guess it does tell you something. Although, you know, it's worth saying there are a lot of people in the pews who maybe don't feel that strongly or or actually you know, really strongly feel that maybe this is the only thing we can do um, in, in the case of asylum. So it's not always one sided, but it's, it's very true to say this is one of the few occasions where there was an awful lot of agreement. And as you both know, the the kind of response, there wasn't much of a kind of formal response as far as I recall, but but there were certainly politicians, conservative politicians quoted who were really quite uh, exercised by the bishop's intervention and quite frustrated to be at being what they perceived to kind of be, being told what to do by by these Christian leaders. Do you think, and ultimately the Rwanda policy kind of sta stands, um, it was it was the courts that, that scotched that first flight but the government wants to press on do you think this shows that actually even when you have this kind of mass front united all the lord spiritual it's still fundamentally pointless and it, and it, it never actually achieves anything oh my goodness that's such a hard question isn't it yeah i i don't think anyone who cares about issues or, or who gets exercise over these things would ever say it's it's pointless um the, you know you know there are different ways and different times at which things change or don't change and, and sometimes those things go in your favor and sometimes they don't but um, I think for most Christians, they would feel uh, if this is a matter of conscience and I feel like I need to speak up on this, then I need to speak up on it, regardless of whether I think or, or hope or pray that anything will, will ultimately change. And I, I think that's the stance that most of the church leaders and the Archbishop of Canterbury take. And it's it's interesting that you were saying um one of the opinion pieces um, that, that was written for us online, they quoted the Conservative MP, Lucy Allen, who said that, that the church is alienating the people in the pews by the, by the leaders sort of speaking out on these issues and, and they, maybe they're not um, what the people in the pews think. And, and um, it was pointed out quite rightly by Tim Farron that actually the church is not a democracy in that respect. The church leader's job is not to represent the views of the masses it's to proclaim the good news of the gospel and 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 to speak the the truth um whether or not that has an effect really is is outside of our control and maybe perhaps is, is not something you know you can't you can't base your speaking out on that point 
any thoughts on that, Sam? Whether it, it's kind of counterproductive if it, if it never if it only really serves to antagonise the people in power. I think Emma makes a great point, which which cuts the heart of this. Of, of just speaking personally, I as a Christian, am I only going to speak out on this issue if it's going to bring change? So am I really pragmatic about it, basically? Or do I just speak out on an issue because it's the right thing to do? And I do have some sympathy with with what Emma's saying and probably where the bishops are coming from, which is, hey, regardless of whether this changes government policy or not, I just feel like someone has to say something. This isn't right. And on a very basic moral level, this isn't right and, and calling it out. I think the nitty gritty, which I'm sure we'll come to, Tim, is well, on what issues do you do that as a bishop and what issues do you not? Mm. Well, that, well, let's come to that. That's, that's, as you say, is a really kind of crunchy part of this topic. I think most Christians would agree that when something is seen as, as you described it, as moral, that's really within the wheelhouse of a bishop or a minister or a pastor to kind of say, actually, you know, God has a view on this and it is X. But people often make a distinction between kind of those issues and then kind of politically partisan kind of left-right politics. Do you think that... Do you, distinction really exists in reality that we can talk about moral stuff but not partisan political stuff it's very difficult i i mean i i think of the church leaders i know they they would operate under this kind of a distinction broadly speaking the most church leaders i know will say look sam when i preach on a sunday i'm not going to go there in terms of whether i voted brexit or conservative or anything else i'm not going to be party political but I do believe the Bible has some things to say on certain moral issues. And so, you know, to take a particularly divisive one that's been in the news recently on abortion, I know church leaders will say, look, I know it's a difficult, um, pastorally very sensitive subject, but if the Bible has something to say about being pro-life, not just on abortion, but, but across the board, what that word pro-life means, it has to work my way into the sermon if I'm to be true to the text I'm speaking from and if I'm to be culturally relevant. But I'm not going to lead that down a path of, well, because of this particular moral issue, you need to vote for X party. And it's that kind of a distinction I think most churches try and operate on is, a, is where they're trying to be political where the Bible is being political, but they're, they're trying to avoid being party political. And it's a very difficult one to divvy up. But I do think it's possible. And I do think a lot of church leaders are very well, well aware of all this. And they, they kind of operate in that way week to week. Um, there are other church leaders I can think of, especially when you load up Twitter. <laughs> They don't they don't try and hide their politics at all. You know, there are some churches that just say, look, you know, it's very clear which way they voted. Um, it's very clear they only speak up on left issues or only speak up on right issues. And and, you know, I, you know, people can make their own own decision on whether that's right or wrong. Yeah, per- personally, I, I think that's that's full of problems. Um, but my concern is always can can I, as a, for example, conservative voting Christian, attend your church and feel welcome? Can I, as a Labour voting Christian, attend your church and feel welcome? Um, can we all be the church and whether you vote Brexit or remain, feel like your church leader understands you or sympathises with you or respects you? I think that's where it gets very tricky. And, and you will see church leaders have very different views on this. I've kind of described two very broad categories there. Um, and uh, people will probably be well aware of where their own pastor sits and those two very different approaches. Isn't this distinction quite artificial? Like, I mean, you, you, as, as you said, you know, for one person one maybe con- conservative Christian who's who's concerned about levels of, of, of migration, uh, they would say the Rwanda issue is a, is a policy. It's a political issue. It, it's, it's, um, it's, not, it's not something about the moral. The Bible doesn't say anything about Rwanda. But then to a bishop, they say, no, no, I'm not left to right. This is, a, this is a moral issue. It just strikes me that distinction is very hard because different two Christians will see the same issue 
and put it in the moral bucket or the party political bucket. Yeah, well, I, think- I, think, I think that's really true. And um, I think that's what, where I guess we have to be careful that uh, even when we're trying to address really difficult issues. I mean, I guess the first step is it is acknowledging that they're really difficult issues. And the second step is acknowledging that even as Christians, uh, you might have different approaches to how you think that problem should be solved. And Tim Farron writes for the, writes about this quite often for us. And he, and he says, you know, I have friends that are Christians in politics that think along the same lines as me. I have friends, uh, Christians in politics that think very differently to, to me. You know, there, there's a Christian wing of the Conservative Party, the Liberal Democrat Party, the Labour Party. That tells you that it's possible as a Christian to approach any issue from a number of a- approaches and, and also feel in your spirit that you're doing the right thing. So we have to acknowledge that when we're discussing them, we're trying to do so in a way that's gracious and that brings glory to God and that doesn't sort of further divide and just entrench people in their own views because ultimately it, it, it might, you know, you each individual person has to express their view on these issues as it sits well with their spirit and um, for them morally. And I don't think Christians should be quiet about that. But we also have to be really careful that in not being quiet about the issues that we feel strongly about, we're doing so in a, in a way that is still an example to the world. And that feels different to the way that other people get very angry with each other because they don't agree with each other. Does that make sense? Mm. I suppose, as you say, you know, in every church, if a church is doing it right, it shouldn't be a monoculture. And therefore, you should have people rubbing shoulders in the pews with people who are very different to them politically or on on these key issues. And you have to strike that difficult balance of not being kind of blandly neutral and, and refusing to speak out, but also not saying if you are a Christian, you believe X or if you are a Christian, you must be furious about Rwanda. Or if you are a Christian, you must be livid about Roe v. Wade and actually saying, acknowledging that that good people in good faith can can disagree on these issues yeah and also recognizing that you know that that when people say that there's a there's a separation between politics and faith um that's not always the case because obviously the the bible is you know tells us that we need to to stand up for the oppressed for the marginalized for the poor for the vulnerable and that's very much what politics is a system of organizing our society and and one of the very key roles that it plays is looking after those sections of of the society that need help and support so as christians we have a really vital role to play in in taking all of those issues back to what we understand scripture to say and trying to work out where where those lines are even if they are blurry and hard it's it's still our um obligation i feel to to engage you know thoughtfully and, and, and with the help of the holy spirit in those those really difficult issues and, and i i agree and i think there's there's room for everyone here you know personally i want to be challenged by the green party christian who reminds me of our of genesis and our call as humanity to steward the earth i want to be challenged by the conservative politician who perhaps is a little bit more vocal on life issues than, than some others and i want to be challenged by the labor politician who likes to emphasize all the bible verses about caring for the oppressed and the, and the vulnerable and, and you see this in the christian world you see people kind of going after their favorite uh, bible verses or subjects you know you, you hear those who skew left a little bit talking a lot about justice uh, you hear those who, who skew right a little bit saying we need to be bolder in our proclamation of the gospel and i just think there's there's room for all of that um and actually we're, we're better together when we listen to one another and say oh actually yeah you do read the bible in a slightly different way to me but i can see how you got there and i can see how naturally if, if i don't really want to go off that political issue actually you do and you have a good biblical basis for, for doing so premier christian newscast
Christian Newscast. I think this comes to one of the really fascinating questions for me, which is that I think all Christians would agree that kind of God's political economy does not cannot be laid across our neat left-right spectrum. And as you say, there are there are Christians, you know, who don't have these kind of package deals where they just sign up to everything left and right. And yet at the same time, many people, many observers, Christians and otherwise, say that it is particularly left-leaning or supposedly politically kind of left-wing views which get expressed more commonly by church leaders, especially bishops in the Church of England. You know, they they intervene on issues around immigration, but they don't on, I don't know, abortion and, and, and life issues. Do you think that's a fair criticism, that, that, that it seems to be that there is a slight bias to the left? Yes, in a word. Um, I, I, and the reason I say that is because, is because when you have someone like Giles Fraser saying what you've just said, I think we should probably sit up and pay attention. This is Giles Fraser, who not too long ago was writing columns for the guardian is left-wing credentials very well known and, and he's written recently on this and saying look it, it, we do we do have a bit of a problem here if if you know almost almost every single bishop voted remain for example um, that we know of you know i think one bishop came out publicly in support of brexit and that was it and the, the rest of either said they remain or sort of looked like they might be going that way so so just that you think well well this is 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 it right that we could have a church hierarchy that doesn't represent the people in the pew? And there does seem to be a divide on that particular issue, at least, between those in the pew and the bishops. I mean, I mean, there is. In terms of the left-right thing, I think, first of all, we need to understand that and have some sympathy for the bishop's position, which, which put bluntly, is you could argue it's a lot easier to push left. It's actually, it's a lot easier to push left on a, on a number of issues culturally. Hard to push right. And, and I think, that's not to justify that behaviour or that decision, but I think, hey, at the end of the day, we're all human beings, we all want to be liked, um, you know, perhaps, you know, we all want to be popular if we're being honest with ourselves in our darker moments. And I do think it is easier for a church being a bishop, it just is easier to say, let's be pro-environment, than it is to say abortion is morally wrong. Now, that's, that's not to justify it, but I think it is to have some sympathy with the position that they're put in. But, but this is a criticism that has been coming up and up, been coming up time and time again. And I think the other thing that's interesting to know is why don't we rewind the clock back to 10 or 20 years? And do you remember that famous phrase about um, uh, the Tory party at prayer and, and this idea that actually there was a conservative bias in the church? And, and I, I just wonder if that shifted. Uh, and then now, as you say, Tim, it, among the hierarchy, if you look at what the bishops tend to talk about, they don't tend, doesn't seem to be a conservative bias. It seems, seems to be a more, more liberal left-wing bias. And I, I think that's interesting. Um, so, so yes, I do think the criticisms are fair. They come up time and time again. And it is true. If you look at the kinds of issues the bishops speak about, they tend to find a bit more of a home among the, uh, the, the kind of lib- liberal elite, if I can use that, that term. Um, so I think it's a fair criticism. Do you have a view, Emma? Yeah, it's a really interesting question, isn't it? Uh, I, it's one I've I've sort of been mulling over in my mind in preparation for this. I don't have any easy answers other than to to say I totally agree with Sam. It is really interesting when you when you look at it. If you, I think if you had to make an assumption, if you're an alien coming to Earth and you knew little about um, the church, and you looked at its demographic, you would probably assume, like Sam said, that, that it would be the opposite way that the Church of England is perceived as being sort of slightly older in demographics, slightly. Um, more conservative and and yet that's that's not what comes out when the bishops are being criticized 
and yeah like sam says i wonder if part of it is that some of those issues are harder to speak out on and so the stuff that does come out and and i wonder if this is part of the church of england's pr machine or just a little bit of like image management or what 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 the press team says you can and can't speak about maybe they just don't want to get embroiled in those more difficult conversations which might be the ones that would be considered to be more conservative but interestingly I, I wonder you know with all of these things whether you do get this sort of pendulum effect and it swings from one to the other you know one of our most read online opinion pieces in recent months was an anonymous piece that was written by a um, woman who was ex-catholic and is now uh, now married to a um a Church of England vicar saying she wishes that the Church of England would be stronger about some of these more controversial issues and, and basically saying I'm so sick and tired of nobody having the guts to stand up for what I traditionally believe um, and particularly coming from that sort of ex-Catholic background very conservative and I hear and have heard that sentiment especially regarding Brexit as well like it feels almost you get to a point where it's so unpopular culturally to to express any kind of view that might be perceived as slightly more right-wing that people feel unheard and three decades ago that would have been the other side of the coin it would have been the more liberal left um people saying we don't feel heard we don't you know the the, the establishment is elite the establishment is conservative um so i wonder how how much longer it will take before it starts to swing back again hmm. And just, just to balance what I said previously, because while I have some sympathy with the argument, there's also some really, I think, quite dangerous overreach going on. So even if I would say, which, which you know, I've already said that I think that this criticism is fair, the church can be too far to the left. The problem is those who often make that criticism of the church tend to then go so over the top in it. It becomes slightly ridiculous. I saw just this week one prominent church leader talking about how the bishops don't care about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just think, well, come on now, that's that's not reasonable. That's not fair criticism. I, you know, I agree with you that the, the bishops can be quite left-wing, but don't write them all off as not caring about the gospel. Um, and similarly, you know, Nigel Farage, you know, took, took aim, didn't he, at, at left-wing bishop. Uh, Justin Welby was how he, how he described him. And, um, and, you know, just, you know, Nigel Farage, for example, said that Justin Welby had done more to damage the reputation of the Church of England and to decrease numbers turning up every Sunday than almost anyone who's ever lived. And you think, come on now, Nigel, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you on I'm with you on the fact that, yes, it's quite possible that Justin Welby is, seems to be quite liberal on the issues he speaks about. That is fair criticism. But to say he's done more to damage the reputation of the Church of England than anyone else, that's outrageous. And, and so I do think we need a, we need a bit of measured criticism here. So rather than just being over the top and, oh, I'm just angry the church don't represent my you know right of center views and, and i'm gonna go really over the top of my criticism i just think we need to dial down this a little bit and say look come on you know you, you may disagree with these bishops politically but they're fellow christians they're seeking to do their best um pray for them pray they'll have the guidance and the wisdom and be able to speak out equally on the mat on the issues that matter to god's heart whether that's left or right um so i do think it's important to say that that, that the criticism can be very over the top on this and I wonder if they were kind of in a no-win situation, you know, like if they if they weren't speaking out on those sort of more social justice issues, whether they would get the other criticism. Oh, you don't care about the poor, you don't care about the marginalised, when is someone going to say something about the climate, blah, blah, blah. So, I, you know, there is a part of it that goes, oh, can you ever win in that situation? No. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think the other the other kind of quick facet on this one is is let's see where we would be 12 years into a Labour government. You know, there's part of the reason it's often... 
the, the bishops and church leaders speak out against so-called kind of conservative views is because we have a conservative government pursuing conservative policies uh, and the, and there's less interest, I suppose, in the Archbishop of Canterbury pointing out where he disagrees with one of Keir Starmer's kind of putative positions, which he hasn't actually enacted yet. Um, so that's one one thing there. But I, I think the other the other issue I think we want to just before we draw this conversation to a close is is you're right, Sam, that there is a there is often a kind of a, a an ulterior agenda here. You know, Nigel Farage is angry at Justin Welby not purely because Nigel Farage has strong views about separation of church and state, but because not, Justin Welby has criticised positions that Nigel Farage agrees with. And, and I think actually, even if we do feel that potentially church leaders skew slightly to the left in their political interventions, I think it's, do you, would you agree, it's important that we defend their right to speak up on politics because so often, whenever they say, they get thrown back in their face, get back in your box, you know, you deal with God stuff, we'll do with the politics stuff, Yes. you know, stand down. And obviously every Christian would say, well, that's that 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 position needs to be resisted, that, that I shouldn't have a voice because I'm a bishop or a church leader. Was, yeah, it's a great point, Tim. It's interesting you say every Christian would say that, though, because I'm not sure if that's true in that I do see some Christians at times saying to Justin Welby, stick, stick to the the leading your church and man managing your church decline and how dare you talk about this political issue. And what I've noticed, of course, is is if Justin Welby is speaking about an issue and has a different opinion to you on it, that's when you say to Justin Welby, oh, stick to the church and don't get involved in politics. If Justin Welby expresses a political opinion I agree with, you bet you'll be cheering him on saying, well done, Justin Welby. So I think we've got to be honest about our own biases here, which seem very evident to me in this conversation. But, but you're right, Tim, I, I would agree that as Christians, we should be defending the rights of our church leaders to, to be political, as long as it's not party political, but to express on moral issues and say, this is how I understand biblical teachings, how I understand Jesus' opinion ultimately on this subject. We need to support our church leaders in, in doing that. And maybe this is the real challenge for all of us is can we support the right of our churches to do that, even when their view on the political issue is different to our own? I think that's the challenge. It was really interesting last year during um, the COP26 uh, conference up in Glasgow, um, a local church there objected very, very strongly to, to the amount of Christian messaging that was coming out about the environment and um, actually put a big sign up on the outside of the church. I don't know if you saw it, um, basically saying, paraphrased, I can't remember the exact terms, can we all please stop banging on about about the environment when there are actually souls that need saving basically and let's get back to the business of the gospel and it is really interesting that you end up in these two very polarized camps where you sort of end up pitting the gospel against any kind of social action which you know let's face it has been has been around that division has been around since the church has existed and and holding them together in tension is very hard but but nonetheless I think it's incredibly important as Christians we we work out our faith with action it's they're not separate you know we, we need to proclaim the gospel very very clearly and we need to like Sam says be very careful that we're not falling into part political traps in our churches but but there isn't necessarily a division between declaring the truth of the gospel and standing up for social issues when it's when it's necessary and I, th I think the church has a role to play in that each Christian has a role to play in that and our leaders have a role to play in that. I'm aware that we've talked a lot about the Church of England perhaps understandably because they have this unique role with with bishops in the House of Lords but most Christians in the UK aren't Anglicans uh, they have leaders, ministers, bishops, pastors, whatever they call them. Do you think we should be amplifying their voices more and rather than going back to these same, as we've talked about, quite unrepresentative kind of 26 
middle class, 26 middle class, middle aged, liberal left elite in, in the House of Lords. And maybe we should be we should be encouraging, you know, independent Pentecostal Presbyterian free church people to, to speak up and, 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 and give them a, a platform into the UK political conversation more. Yeah, well, I think they, they do. I don't think a lot of those leaders would love that. A lot of those leaders would, would love more of a, a voice and a seat at the table. I think they do within media. I mean, certainly within Premier Christianity magazine, we, we're often quoting from and talking to and letting those people write articles for us. So I think within the media, they do have a voice. Um, I, I think what, what's tricky, Tim, and about the question is, is how that relates to the House of Lords. Um, having bishops in the House of Lords as opposed to any other kind of religious, let alone Christian leader. And I expect that debate will run and run. I guess there's something there about the kind of particular role of the established Anglican church that, you know, they are kind of there to kind of speak for all Christians, maybe even for all people of faith into politics. But it just strikes me as, as increasingly untenable that, that the only people who the, the newspapers, you know, beyond Premier Christianity will write about are people who have the right reverend in front of their name when really they don't actually speak for, for, for every believer in this country, um, let alone every Anglican. Yeah, it's really difficult, isn't it? The, the church is is very broad and varied, and um, there, there's a high degree, unfortunately, of religious illiteracy within the media. So they, I think it's it's an easy win for them, isn't it, to go to one big central organisation where they can contact a press office and and be put in touch with someone whose name possibly people will know or has a title that looks good. Um, you know, I think that's where the work of organisations like the Evangelical Alliance and those other bodies that try to sort of bring Christians together to work together with um, government bodies is is really important. And it would be lovely to see the government doing that better when it comes to roundtables and working groups that when they're consulting on on issues that affect the church. And you know, where we I guess where we need to be lobbying our Christian MPs to to try and get that to happen in a way that that enables that influence to be broader than those 26 lords um i was talking about this with my lodger this morning the role of the house of the lords uh, and it's not perfect but you know for me as a as a mechanism as a check mechanism um it's incredibly important but it, it would be great if it wasn't just the church of england yeah and i, I think, think it's, it's going to be an important point to, to make to the, our friends who don't have a faith at all basically do you want it regardless of whether you think the bishops are the right people to do it or not, do you think within our political system there should be those who are there because they care about morality rather than anything else? Because I would hope, whether you're a Christian or atheist, you can say that the, the fundamental point and principle that we should be making our laws based on good morals rather than terrible ethics is a good one. I think the question is just how, how you get there and whether the bishops are the right people to deliver on that. Hmm. I, it, 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 is, it would fascinate me to see, you know, if you had some, I don't know, FIEC leaders giving some national platform, what were their political view, you know, maybe more likely to vote Brexit, maybe more likely to be public and vocal on abortion, you know, bringing quite different flavours of, of politicals rather than the slightly kind of mushy, centrist, liberal middle ground that we tend to get from, from the familiar faces. So we will see. But thanks very much, Emma and Sam. It's been a great conversation. Really enjoyed thrashing this issue around with you both. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. Uh, but um, I'll speak to you all next time. Thank you. That's all we've got time for on this week's newscast, but don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in whatever app you use to make sure every episode is automatically available for you when it's released. 
If you've enjoyed it, we'd really appreciate it if you could review Premier Christian Newscast on your app and tell your friends about us. We're a new podcast and so we'd love to get the word out as much as possible. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Premier Christian Newscast. 